Welcome back to the Cyclotips Podcast, everybody. I'm Kaylee Fretz, back in the host chair. I've wrangled it from Abby, who stole it at the end of last year. That was fine. Hey, you've got a lot to live up to. She did a sterling job, mate. I agree. I agree. Anyway, we're back for the first episode of 2021. We've left the most terrible year in any of our memories, and much longer. Uh, we've left that behind us, and we're hoping for newer and brighter things. Uh, maybe a bit more travel. Maybe a bit less lockdown in 2021. A bit more normalcy would be nice. And we've got an almost fully normal crew here. Uh, we are missing Dane Cash, but we've got Abby Mickey. How are you, Abby? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and Jose Bean. How are you, Jose? Good. Good. We are in lockdown, so the year has started. Uh, wonderfully without lockdowns we are um we're going oh, going fun. great here all my friends are homeschooling their kids and they're going crazy so i sent them chocolate <laughs> speaking of homeschooling their kids james wong how are you james couldn't be better <laughs> absolutely could not be better having the time of my life right now yep i i, I should say that I, I tend to get slack messages from james at like eleven fifteen at night and like 5.45 in the morning. That tends to be <laughs> when, when James has found time to uh, produce Cycling Tips content. And the rest of the time, you're, you're a bit busy right now, aren't you? Nope. Nope. I've basically just been on vacation <laughs> for months. And the sarcasm still still there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Shoddy Dave. Good day, sir. Uh, you look like you haven't had a haircut. Uh, maybe since 2019, is that true? Let me think. I've had one trim, one trim, and that was while sort of twisting my head, looking at my daughter who got her very first haircut, so it was a bad haircut. But yeah, you're quite right. It's looking shoddy, isn't it? <laughs> shoddy haircut for a shoddy fella. Speaking of long hair, I, before we finish our introductions, I would just like to give a quick shout out to former specialized PR person, uh, Chris Reichert who I saw a picture of him lately on Instagram, and oh, I believe his hair grew like a foot in the last year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his hair has not seen a pair of scissors at all because I basically didn't recognize him. He used to be like super short hair, clean cut and everything, and now he's got like long flowing locks, a ponytail. Like, who is this person? Anyway. He, he's gone full California. Yes. He's gone full California. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. I... I I like the vibe, though, Chris. I, I appreciate it. You look great. Uh, anyway, we got a lot to talk about today. Actually, we don't have a lot to talk about. That was a lie. I, I'm, st I'm starting off this episode with a lie. We don't have that much to talk about. Uh, it's probably going to be a slightly shorter episode, but there's some good stuff in there. We've got a bunch of news we're going to run through. Abby's going to take charge of that with Dane still out for the holidays. Plus, we've got a bunch of cyclocross that happened over the holidays. We're going to run through all of those races and the various things that happened on the, what, seven races that happened in that week or so. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about new bikes for teams in this week's Nerd Alert. So Yumbo Visma has switched from Bianchi to Cervelo. We've got a whole bunch of weird stuff going on with the Yumbo Visma cross bikes, for example. We're going to be digging into that later in the show. All right, let's do the news. Abby, where should we start? We, uh, we've got Alpus and Phoenix news. We've got some Rolf Aldag news. Yeah. We've got some race cancellation news. Not so good. Where do you want, where do you want to begin? So I think I'll throw 
the a couple of the news bits together, one of the pieces of news that hit over over the holiday period was that Rolf Aldag has left Canyon SRAM. He was with the Women's World Tour team for only one year and has now left and been picked up by Baja Rain Victorious. <laughs> what? Victorious is the name of the team. We're off this to year. a flying start in this year's this, this year's podcast. Seriously, that's what they're called, Bahrain Victorious. That's the name of the team this year. I'm not making this up. I I, I know that that is the name of the team. It's not Baja Rain. Baja Rain, yeah, that's <laughs> Bahrain. That's what I call it. But anyway, Bahrain Victorious. Uh, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a country you want to make angry. No, it's Abby, a good I point. Think. You might want to. You might want to pronounce that one correctly. The list of uh, cycling tips employees that don't have hit hit outs on them by foreign countries gets smaller every day. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's it's really interesting because Aldag was only with uh, Canyon Stram for for one year, and is now moved over to Bahrain Victorious, and that kind of opens up this spot on Canyon Stram where now they're actively looking for a director. And means that he's back in the men's scene where he's worked with a ton of different teams. T-Mobile, HTC High Road, uh, Omega Pharma Quick Step, uh, Dimension Data. So, yeah, that's a little bit of an interesting bit of news. He's definitely, like, he's a, he's a, a legend of, of directorship at this point. He's been around the block, I don't know, a dozen times or so. Uh, I do want a um, brief tangent back to uh, Bahrain Victorious because that name is very interesting. Uh, what do, what do you, what do they do when Bahrain Victorious like comes in second or third? And what like what is the what is the what does the commentator do? Oh, Bahrain Victorious. I, I would I would go with not Bahrain not Victorious. Victorious. Not so victorious. But you know that that kind of you do that once or maybe you do it twice, but then it kind kind of gets stale, you know. But I, I think as a commentator myself, I just stick with Bahrain because I think it's such a ludicrous name. <laughs> it's just like if I... some, some teams now have a name that's longer than any intro on, on whatever race you can do. You know, they have like Vanti, Intermarché, Grupo Bear. It's like, it's like, wow. It all depends what your class is. A victory, like for them, third place <laughs> might be a victory. You never know. It's true. You got to put it in perspective here. Jose, I have a question for you as a commentator. Do you, do you like, how do you learn all the new names? Do you like make flashcards for yourself? Do you quiz yourself? Um, do you just assume you're going to get it wrong <laughs> for like two months at the beginning of the season? How does that yeah, work? Well, there, there's always some riders that you're never, ever going to get. I'm still with Matteo Trentin. He's now on UAE, but I know that like forever I will not be recognizing him. It's some of these riders that you have a blind eye to. Every January of the new season, I, I tell myself, okay, I'm now going to make a really big Excel sheet with all the transfers and most important wins. And, and then when the season comes, nothing happened. And I just do it from the top of my head. And sometimes you're wrong. And, and when I used to work at Eurosport, always the first race of the year was Valencia or Ruta del Sol, one of these Spanish races. Always the first stage I was wrong. I called it wrong. It happens. It's... Uh, it's one of those things and i don't know if it depends on whether i'm going to do a lot of commentary this year that's still a bit um unsure and then i'll probably do some some preparations but usually it's i'm 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 following the news every day and i usually do it from the top of my head and make mistakes inevitably 
that's the uh, the nice thing about the existence of pro cycling stats, uh, oh, yeah. which. <laughs> You know, when when I when I first started writing about bike racing, that didn't exist, and we had to like go back and and do lots of research and figure out who had won X, you know, in in nineteen ninety seven or whatever. And now it's all just right there for you. I know. It's, uh, I know that the Belgian lovely. senior senior commentators still have like one of these trays with individual cards in them, written down with all the most important things, but. I just can't imagine that works, <laughs> but they say they do. They, they they drag it around Europe and and write down the most important things on the individual rider carts and then put it back into the tray. But I just have precise stats <laughs> on all the time, and and when you see a result, usually you kind of remember what what happened in that race, and then you have some facts to dig up. And sometimes you open precise stats and you think, oh, did that rider did that rider go there? I had no idea. And some of the younger guys, you, you tend you tend not to know at the beginning of the year, anyways. So, it's normal, I think. So what we're saying is, you know, give your commentators some slack here because they gotta they gotta you know memorize. It's actually it's more than like 180 people because it's it's like the entire world tour <clears throat> and beyond. There is danger, of course, in having half of your team name be an adjective, in that you can just sort of run the opposite right like i i I guarantee we're going to get some bahrain defeated or bahrain unsuccessful uh throughout this this season sometime that's what i would do anyway if i was a commentator i would just i would just throw in you know a a uh the opposite adjective whenever they were not victorious you're not a commentator but you you can write race reports and you can do that in race reports, which then it lives on the internet for the eternity of time. Hell yes. I'm doing that. (laughs) I look forward to that for this year. Abby, what's our next news item? Sorry. I I took us on a bit of a tangent there. Yeah. So, I mean, just one, one jump back to the all dag news. It is a really big bummer. I feel for Canyon strand that he's left the team. I mean, he came onto the team in the thick of last year, which was, I don't know, the entire condensed season and was part of the uh, management team that brought Kashini Odoma second place overall at the Giro Rosa. Um, and he only worked with the team for, I mean, quote unquote, one year, but actually like two months because that's how long the, se- the season was. So it, it's a it's a real it's a real loss for Canyon Stram that they have they don't have him on the team next year. The next bit of news also relates to Canyon Stram. They have announced their final roster. They did so very very late, but I guess a lot of teams were announcing their the final finalities of their rosters pretty late this year. And they picked up Elise Shabby and Michaela Harvey from Akeep Polly Kaw and then kept most of their team the same. Um, in other women's news, the Lotto Turrigan Ladies Tour has confirmed their dates as May 25th to the 30th, which it's not a world tour race, but is a very, very hard race and a very good race and is like prime slot in the calendar for Olympic prep especially if there's a two-week quarantine, which I seriously doubt that was actually going to happen. But, yeah. Uh, quick question. Do we know of do we know of any sort of major Polyka names that haven't signed with anybody else? Were, were there any riders that are sort of out of luck after, after that team folded? No, everybody on the did team... Did everybody find a team? Yeah, everyone on the team who is worth 
you know, talking about basically like all of the major riders on the team found a team. The only rider who it's a little bit whether whether or not she's actually going to get to race the caliber that she's used to racing next year is uh, Clara Kopenberg, um, who is going to rally cycling. And they're obviously not world tour. They did just, I think, two world tour races last year at the very, very end of the season. So whether or not she's going to get to race in the world tour is, is a little bit of a question mark, but like Marlon Russa found a team, Leah Thomas went to Movistar, uh, uh, Lizzie Banks went to, uh, WNT Sarah's it. So pretty much everybody, everybody that you would recognize found teams for next year. And Nev, Nev Fisher Black is on, um, SD works. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of them were saved. Good. I feel like we need to do a segment on the the Movistar women's team at some point. I mean, it, it, they've taken a massive step up for for next season. Bunch of pretty big signings, uh, obviously headlined by the best bike racer on earth. Uh, and I think that yeah, we should we should do a little dig in with with them. I, I know that the um, if the team's run now by um, Zue's son, Zue's uh, uh, yeah, Sebastian. Um, Nzue runs the, the the whole movie star program, and Sebastian is now running the, the women's program. Uh, I know he speaks great English, so maybe we can just try to get him on the podcast. I think that'd be fun. Talk through what they're doing uh, this coming season, because that is going to be a program to watch into 2021 and beyond, for sure. They're putting a bunch of, bunch of money, a bunch of time and effort into it, uh, and it's going to be a pretty massive step up for, ne- for next year. Sebastian is, is a guy who absolutely goes 100% for the women's team, and Abby probably knows that just as well as I do. There's a lot of men working in women's cycling who actually want that, what they call step up to men's racing. So they see it as a temporary fixture to be part of a women's team. But he goes for it, and uh, as does the staff. And they have some, some sports directors working for the women's team and men's team at the same time. So there's a lot of expertise going back and forth between the two teams. So I, I, I really admire them for that. Yeah, and that family has sort of been running that team. I mean, Isabio and Zue, his father, uh, goes back to Bonesto in, plus, in the 90s, 40 right? 40-plus years of Abarca. Yeah, yeah, so way, way, way early in the 90s. Um, yeah, and so they've been in and around it for a very long time. And, yeah, well, let's get Sebastian on the podcast. We 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 know how to contact him. <laughs> we'll, we'll get him on, and, and we'll have a conversation sometime in the next couple of weeks. This is the perfect time of year for that. We're, we're still in the off-season, which is a bit... Normally, we'd be exiting the offseason in like the next week or two, and uh, we're not. There's a bunch of early season races canceled, right, Abby? There are. The um, 2.1 in Turkey, the Tour tour of Antalya. Can we also talk about how great my segue just was? Yes, it was really good. I'm not as good at the... Dane knows all of the things, and I feel like it's really oh, hard to... Cool. Anyway, so... The, yes, the the Turkish race, the tour of um, Antalya was canceled, which was scheduled to take place February 11th to the 14th. So there's this is coming alongside the obviously all the races in Australia that are um, the tour down under is still happening, but on a much smaller scale, not world tour for the men and whatever, whatever. Um, and the tour Colombia, which was canceled and 
There's a little bit of uncertainty now following the Vuelta a San Juan that might be strictly for riders that are already kind of nearby. Um, so no riders able to fly into the country for that. And so it's kind of setting it's at the moment, Europe is like a little bit going back down into a lockdown and, and what have you with the world going on. And there are races that are being canceled already. So that is a thing. That is a thing that's happening. Yeah. So everybody hoping for a totally normal 2021. It's not, it's not going to be, uh, but hopefully more normal. And obviously we have, we have practice now. We, you know, well, us, media, and sort of the rest of cycling have now been through this once. Uh, and so, fingers crossed, at least some of the big stuff still goes off. And by midsummer, everybody's vaccinated and, and we're all good to go again. Yeah. That's probably not going to I mean, happen, the- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope. <laughs> That's right, Kelly. All, Kelly, all you have to do is put the vaccine in the chemtrails and the planes, and then we'll all be fine. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. In the in the aluminum shavings. That's right. In the aluminum shavings. My my, <laughs> my sister works at the ER, so she's one of the first persons to get vaccinated. So I asked her yesterday. It's like, how excited are you to be followed by Bill Gates through your five G chip tomorrow? Just let me know. Let me know how it feels. I'm so curious about that entire thing. Uh. There, there are races that are being canceled or uh, being kind of confined within the borders of the country or, or uh, countries surrounding, but there are still teams that are getting ready for their very first team camps of the year. Um, the Israel Startup Nation team just announced that they are having their first camp in Girona next week, and Chris Froome will not be attending, which is what the news was, which is fascinating to me, but they they are having their team camp and they the interesting thing about how they're breaking it up is they're kind of separating all the riders they're having all the riders come in minus Froome and I imagine like I don't know one one other can't make it um and they're separating them into sprinters classics riders and stage racers um which is very interesting kind of keeping it within pods within the team which I have been to a team camp and I find it hard to believe that everyone wouldn't just all like blah together. You know, it's like a bunch of <laughs> kids when they hit preschool for the first day of the year. Um, but, but I mean, Trek Segafredo is also planning to go ahead with their team camp next week. So, so yeah, team camps are happening whether, whether or not races are up in the air. There's, the, there's, there's some major issues, uh, especially with uh, staff coming in from the UK, riders coming in from the UK, because they're just not allowed to go into Spain or uh, the Canary Islands, which is Spain, basically. Uh, so some teams have a severe, like the English teams, they have problems with getting staff to their team camps. Because they, it's not a, it's not about negative testing or PCR testing or whatever. Spain just will not allow British citizens into the country due to that new uh, coronavirus um, uh, variation. So uh, that is uh, that is kind of an issue. Most of the British top riders live in Monaco any- anyway, so that's not a problem. But some of them are back in the UK and just can't leave the country. And lots of staff, as you said. Interestingly, Froome is in California, which is fascinating to me because Garrett Thomas also did his early season prep in California the last couple years. Um, and Froome was slated to start his season in South America and now will not and continue his build into the season. But yeah, interesting. 
He's been kind of all over the place, actually. For, I mean, he was like he did a he did a Grand Fondo in Miami, and now he's in California. I'm assuming I'm assuming he's flying private between these different places because that's otherwise it would just be not safe. Uh, but even so, he's been kind of all over the world. He's traveled more than almost anybody else I've seen in the last couple months through through massive spikes here in the United States like the US is not where I would choose to go uh in in November and December uh where we've got you know was it like one in five people in the LA area currently have coronavirus With oxygen, uh, oxygen maybe rationed. not where you, yeah maybe maybe not where you want to be uh some some interesting decisions there from the Froom camp to to send him to some places that maybe I personally wouldn't be going they're getting the excuses in. They're getting the excuses in early for him not to perf- be f- performing later on in the year, aren't they? <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired already. Um, I just. In other in other news, the Alpecin Phoenix team have qualified to do all three Grand Tours, meaning that there's only two wildcard slots at each Grand Tour for pro continental teams to be able to participate in those Grand Tours. Yeah, it all depends kind of on the quarantine thing. Um, he says in, in Belgian media, um, of course, my sponsors want me to be in the Tour de France, but my heart wants to race the uh, Tokyo mountain bike race. But just like you said, uh, Abby, about the quarantine, we'll have to see it happen. You know, they're now, it, we're talking August, you know, um, we have vaccinations and stuff like that. You can, we have quick tests, you know, it's ridiculous to, to confine bike racers or golfers or basketball players or whatever to a hotel room for two weeks in, in Japan. It just uh, I mean, doesn't I think, work. I think the main, the main problem that athletes would have at that point is they're two weeks away from the biggest uh, competition of four years or five years now and asking them to them to then sit in a hotel room for two weeks, especially athletes who aren't cyclists that can ride on a trainer and continue to maintain. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Continue to maintain their fitness. Like it's just not a feasible thing that they could, they could do. Um, anyway, I, we don't, we don't have to get into it now. It's so far away that I feel like it's just not worth, it's not worth talking about right now, but yeah, Albus and Phoenix grand tours in the Tour de France. I'm into it. But it's, it's really bad news for Spanish teams. Spain has now got four pro teams um, and only two slots. Um, so that's that's pretty bad news. And of course, the newcomer is called Kern Pharma. Great, great name for a cycling team, Pharma. Um, but <laughs> but then you have Caja Rural, Burgos and Euskatel. And one of them has to be left out. Euskatel was left out last year um, while the... Well, just started in the Basque country, so that was uh, that was pretty hard on them. And also in Italy, um, well, Gazprom wants to go to Italy. I heard that Nairo Quintana wants to go to the Giro with uh, Arkea Samsic. Um, and then you've got the Italian uh, pro team, so that's going to be quite a puzzle for Mr. Veni. Or maybe he will leave out, you know, Mitchelton Scott and Jumbo Visma after last year, because I don't think he forgot what they did. Yeah, true. <laughs> and he's kind of vindictive. Kind of. I was, I was, hap- I was happy to see that the Androni Giacatoli uh, jersey hasn't really changed very much. Oh. Jose, you posted that on, on Twitter earlier today, I think. <laughs> that was such a funny... The, the jersey of a thousand sponsors remains the jersey of a thousand. It's very... It's important. Continuity is important. 
and we wouldn't want a massive rebrand of Androni Giacatola. I mean, just out, I, of, out of the blue. I disagree. I think there is tons of room on that jersey for more sponsors. <laughs> I saw, I saw at least fifteen spots on that jersey where they could have fit more sponsors on there. I feel like they really took a hit this year with sponsors. There's just a lot of space. <laughs> Abby, you're pretty handy with the Photoshop. Why don't you just put together a jersey? With some extra sponsor, maybe we just Cycling Tips will sponsor it, and Pink Bike will sponsor it, and we'll just you know we'll just throw our own logos but, on there and send it over to them and see if they'll go with that one. Why yeah, can't we go that, with like us. Go, go for it. Why can't we go? <laughs> why can't we go with like semi-permanent tattoos on underarms and calves? You know, there's a whole lot of room there still to be. I I don't know why everyone's so negative about it. I absolutely love it, and I think it harks back to like true Italian teams. Plus, um, if anybody is wondering why there's so many names on the jersey, rumours are that if you want to join the team, you have to bring a sponsor across, which isn't um, isn't a new thing. And it does happen to other teams. Hey, just look at the uh, coin at Quickstep. Cav brought over a sponsor. Not that we know who it is yet, but apparently, yeah, he, brought, he, he had to pay his own way there. I, I would like to know if there are like qualifications for the sponsors that you bring over because like like what if i brought over like my mom for example like does that mean i could just put my picture like a cartoon picture of my mom's face on the andrea giacatoli jersey like would that qualify like are there are there minimum think, requirements 50, i think if your mother was wealthy enough yeah yeah if your mother was wealthy enough and your mother was like here's half a million dollars yeah you could absolutely put a picture of your mom no on because at, at that point james i feel like you should demand that every one of the riders on the team do semi-permanent tattoos that's just a heart that says james's mom <laughs> on their arm for every race <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Well, talking about sponsors, we had a second division football team, um, basically from the town where I grew up, who had a sponsor which, which, who sells sex toys. And uh, there was a whole big fuzz about that because it was going against decency, according to our National Football League. But in the end, they were allowed to stay on. And even if they were not allowed to stay on, they had a, a ton's worth of publicity after, after revealing their new jersey. <laughs> With the sex toys manufacturer. Well, there is a there is a team in Belgium, a Kermes team. I don't know if it's still about, but I'd be surprised if it isn't. That is sponsored by, shall we say, um, uh, a place of interest for gentlemen. <laughs> so not and then uh, there's an amateur team in France, not far from here, uh, who are sponsored by a lingerie company and their team oh, kits. Yeah quite interesting to say the least <laughs> fantastic i remember fantastic. when i rode we for when i rode for mafia racing the mountain bike team we all had to you had to shotgun a beer if you were on the a paps blue ribbon we were sponsored by paps blue ribbon if you got on the podium of a race you had to shotgun a paps blue ribbon and i was on the podium of a couple races but i was only 20 so i was i was like standing up there really awkwardly with like my paps ribbon like and people are like is she allowed to hold that <laughs> like i'm not drinking it but it's like my wife uh, my wife was on that team that team was great those kits were very nice so good yeah i i rode for a team uh, berkeley patient group out of california and we were Berkeley Patient Group was um, or is medical cannabis company. So yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get get deals like that for the podium. That's it for news. That is it for the news. So 
Hopefully, no more news. Hopefully, Dane comes comes back real soon. <laughs> Dane's back tomorrow. Thank we're ready. Goodness for that. Next on my list here, Jose, we want to talk cyclocross. Uh, quite a bit to talk about uh, in the Christmas period. Can you walk us through it? Ma- yeah, it major storylines. Yeah, it was a, it was a crazy, crazy busy period. It started on the twenty second. That was the last race we talked about in the previous podcast, won by uh, Mariana Vos. Then on the 23rd, it all started, and up until Sunday, we had seven races in 10 days, including two World Cups. Um, then the Bondo was a new course, and it was absolutely the most amazing race of the year with, like, knee-deep mud. I think everybody has seen the um, the clip of Katie Compton up until, up until her hips in mud, um, which sadly reflects her uh, season so far. It's been bad luck and flats and bad luck and crashes, and it's, it's really sad. Um, but the Dendam on the course was, was absolutely amazing. But we had seven races in 10 days. Five were won by Mathieu van der Poel, uh, two by Wout van Aert. So that was a good score for van der Poel. Um, but Dendam on was won by Wout van Aert and not by a little, over three minutes on the competition on Mathieu van der Poel. He had a complete off day there in the mud. And he, there was a little media thing here that he went out on Twitter, said that this was a course that was not worthy of being a World Cup. And then he had to apologize to the organizers. So, you know, that's Belgium. Um, and the second World Cup was in the Dutch town of Hulst, which is um, basically Belgium. It's like 10 kilometers from the Belgian border. Um, they had a fantastic cross there last year on uh, the remnants of a, a city wall, but it was in the middle of the city, so they couldn't do it this year. So it was on a polder somewhere alongside the uh, Westerschelde with huge container ships and a lot of wind and really, really cold. And there, uh, Mathieu van der Poel beat Wout van Aert by one and a half minutes. So that was uh, reverse. So Wout van Aert now leads the World Cup with one more race to go. Uh, Mathieu van der Poel is second. He can still win that uh, classification. But the most important thing for both of these riders was that they are going to be on the first start row of the World Championships. Uh, The first eight in that classification get on the first start row. So that's really, really important. The women raced seven races too, and uh, nobody died. So that was a a good thing. Um, Alvarado won twice. Lucinda Brandt won twice. Um, Blanca Vash, who's only 19 years old, won two races convincingly with over a minute on the competition. Um, and Denise Betsema won that uh, cross race in Hulst and she did that with over a minute. So that was quite a dominant performance by her as well. Clara Hansinger did a fantastic race in Dendermonde in the mud. And the great thing about Hansinger is that she really gets better as the races get longer. We had two World Cup races so far that were really like 52, 53 minutes. But then the Monde, unfortunately for Clara, was only 45 minutes. If they would have added another lap, she might have won that race because she was approaching Lucinda Brandt really, really fast in that last lap. But eventually the difference was uh, 15 seconds. But another podium place in the World Cup for uh, Clara Hansinger. Brandt has now won uh, two of the three World Cups and has that overall win in the bag. Um, it's a bit of a cyclocross less um, time now. Uh, we, we've got nationals in Belgium this weekend, only for the elites. Dutch nationals, British nationals are all cancelled. Um, we also had some races in France and Switzerland where uh, Christine Majerus won, and that marked the first win for SD Works. So that's interesting as well. And Fabio Aru was racing cross. Who? Yeah, Fabio Aru was. Yeah, <laughs> Fabio I, Aru. Yeah, I heard there was a really great piece on, on Cycling Tips um, about Fabio Aru finding his passion back on the bike. So that was good for him. <laughs> I, I wrote that one yesterday. Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was great. I just, you know, I, 
I follow him on Instagram, and I saw these these photos pop up over the weekend, and he just, I think the first line I used in this story was like a pig in shit, which I don't know if that translates out of uh, Americanism very well, but it basically means he's very happy. He's dancing around like a pig in shit, and uh, yeah, it was great to see. You know, he's 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 had a rough three years. Um, I go through it in the piece, but you know, he's this guy who won the Vuelta and was fifth at the Tour de France in 2017, and. Uh, then had iliac artery issues, had surgery, and, well, dropped out of the Tour de France this year uh, <laughs> with his team kind of yelling at him for not trying hard enough. Not a great three years. So I'd like to see him come back. He's on a new team. He's on that Asas Kubeka squad. And, yeah, I'd just like to see him, you know, find find the love again. So if that requires a bit of cyclocross racing over the winter, more power to him. We've got breaking news. We have breaking news oh. on the podcast. Erica Ooh. Alar has given birth to a baby boy. Aww. Erica Alar Erica. being the former many, many time crit uh, USA crit national champion and just all over legend to the sport added to the list of many, many cyclists who gave birth th- or cyclists who they themselves or their significant other gave birth this week, which is also Alex Dowsett, Dylan Grunewagen, and Wout Van Aert. Yep. So it was a busy lockdown period for the writers. When <laughs> kept themselves busy. When I take over the news, it also means that we're getting birth announcements. I've just decided, and it's very—I mean, it's great, babies, guys. Uh, I just want to point out this, this was a funny thing that was mentioned to me by. Uh, I guess former bike journalist uh, John Bradley, uh, he said that uh, he he was thinking that the chances were very very high that a lot of the people who are having kids right now during the pandemic are more than likely having their first child during the pandemic. (laughs) No homeschooling experience just yet. (laughs) Before we get on to nerd alert, quick thank you to all of our Velo Club members. And our pile of new Velo Club members that popped up over the holidays. Uh, also, a bit of an apology, <laughs> because we did a website redesign over the holidays as well. You have probably seen that if you are an avid Cycling Tips reader. It looks amazing, but as with most website redesigns, there are some bugs that we're still working out. And one of those was an issue with people logging in to the Velo Club hub, <clears throat> which is sort of how you get all your Velo Club stuff. So if that was you... We do apologize. Uh, if you still can't get in, send us a message. You can email me, uh, editor at cyclingtips.com. Uh, I will just forward you on to Andy Van Bergen, who will then help you, because I have no idea how to help you. But we will help you. Somebody will help you. And we'll get you into the Velo Club Hub. There was a a, a, a pretty uh, amazing influx of members over the holidays, and we do thank you for that. Lots of people giving it as a gift as well. Uh, it's Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, if you're having trouble actually getting your Velocalip membership, please do let us know. Tweet at us, email me, whatever. We can, we'll, we'll, we'll figure you out. We'll get it going. Uh, if you haven't joined yet, please consider it. Please consider it. I was, uh, that's a random aside. I was on a, on a chairlift, a ski chairlift last weekend, uh, or last week, and just struck up a conversation with the guy across the chairlift for me you can only put like two people on a chairlift these days because of coronavirus anyway this guy turns out 
is a podcast listener, Patrick. I didn't catch your last name. Patrick is out there. Also, we discussed Velo Club and how important it is to cycling tips. Uh, Patrick had actually run a subscription-based media business about 10 years ago, and we had a, a great chat about that. And I would like to reiterate to everybody out there how important this is to cycling tips as a business, which... Uh, you know, we'd love to all be just doing this for fun, but we all do this for a job, and that means we need we need to get paid, uh, and we need things like Velo Club to allow us to continue to do the work that we love to do and that you love to consume. So, if you haven't joined Velo Club thus far, be like Patrick on the ski lift. Join Velo Club. Listen to the podcast. Thank you. Now, nerd alert. 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 Uh, well, today's nerd alert segment is going to be uh, kind of focusing on a lot of chaos. I mean, because we, I would say anytime we have, you know, a new calendar year, uh, we're used to a little bit of messiness uh, as, as far as like team sponsorships and new bikes and equipment and all that sort of thing. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, like every year when we typically go to Tour Down Under, for example, I mean, it's early in the calendar year and a lot of the teams are on older bikes and equipment and just things haven't really quite turned over. But one of the more, uh, I guess, more visible ev pieces of evidence of that right now is or one of the more visible examples of that right now is Yumbo Visma and their cross riders, because uh, they are riding on while well, they just switched to Bianchi or sorry, they just switched to Cervelo for this season. Except that Cervelo doesn't have a cross bike. So what they're actually riding right now are repainted Bianchis. They could they could just race cross on a Caledonia. It fits a 33. What are they doing? I mean, they could. I mean, they could also theoretically race on the Aspera, which certainly has enough tire clearance. But, I mean, neither of those are really cross bikes. And, you know, I suppose for an amateur, it wouldn't really be that big of a deal. But these folks aren't amateurs. It actually speaks volumes for Bianchi itself because realistically these riders could go out and spray paint any good cross bike, like their dream cross bike, and ride that. So yeah, it does seem that they enjoy riding the uh, the Bianchi because I remember a few years back, I think it was... Oh, shit, I forgot his name. Sven Tuff went from... Sven Neat? Yes, yeah, Sven, Sven Nice went from... Went from uh, was it called Nago to another brand? And there was a bit of a, a hoo-ha with him changing bikes there. Not too happy about doing it, happy about doing it. So, yeah, I'm quite surprised that they've st stuck with Bianchi's because there's plenty of nice cross bikes out there. They could have quite easily gone out and spray painted. The weird the weird thing is uh, you have to know that in cyclocross, you, you race over the winter time. So when your team changes bikes on the 1st of January... You have your first race in Baal, the traditional opener of the new year. But you have your last race on the 30th of December. But talking about Cervelo, Joris Nieuwenhuis was part of Sunweb. And he, he raced in a Espero, Espero is it called? For for a, a, all the time. So he raced a Cervelo in cyclocross. And Marianne Vos went from a giant to a spray-painted Bianchi. So that was pretty weird as well. So she had to make the switch in bikes, but then go from one bike that was not on her team to another that was not on her team so you know maybe it's a good excuse by the riders to not make that switch on the 1st of january 
and wait yeah, I mean, it's until afterwards. I mean, yeah, I mean, because in, in Wild Van Aert's case, I mean, it, it's a little bit more understandable because he is basically on the same bike that he had been racing. So it was an issue of familiarity. But yeah, Jose, like you said, I mean, Mariana Voss, I mean, she's on a completely different bike and now she's on a completely different bike that's not even labeled as the bike that it is. So it's all very odd. I mean, Cervelo apparently does have, uh, they, they supposedly do have a, a proper cross bike in development, um, but it's just not done yet. Can I do one little tangent here? Because I'm pretty shocked. Sunweb just announced that they're parting ways with Mark Hirschi. What? What? That's even better yeah. breaking news than my news about Erica. Hey, I Sorry. About that. But I- I'm shocked. It says Team DSM has reached a settlement agreement with their rider Mark Hirschi to terminate their present op- employment before the original end date of December 2021. Uh, it has been agreed that the agreement will be terminated with immediate effect and that no for- further comments will be made. Ooh, something happened there. I want to know. I want to know yeah. more. He weren't Some shaving shit the chocolate. Has fan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just shocked. Well, I'm shocked. I mean, we don't have the context around this yet, but there's basically two options here, right? Like, one is he he has already signed with another team and, and wants a bunch more money, uh, which if, if he was in the middle of a of a contract cycle uh, and didn't have a bunch of bonuses built into his contract, for example, then Sunweb probably wasn't paying him any anywhere near what he would be worth on the open market at this point in time. So that's a possibility. The other possibility, uh, and I, I don't want to say that this is the case, but it is possible, is that he's done something that made the team not want him anymore, <laughs> which, if that's the case, I'm sure we will find out soon. But... Uh, we don't want to speculate too much, but yeah, that's, but that's interesting news. Ivan Spekerbrink is really, really, really big on rules, the manager of uh, Team DSM, as it's called now. So, yeah, it's it's shocking news. Shocking. Well, mm. I, I don't know how savvy he is on social media, but I would just like to point out that on his profiles for Instagram and Twitter, it, they both still say that he is a professional cyclist for some web. So my guess is that this was not his doing. Hmm. All right, we'll bring you additional information on this when we get it. There is a, there is a third option. He could be doing a Marcel kit. He might just not enjoy racing his bike anymore. He might might be struggling with the fame, the everything that goes with bike racing at a, a level that is achieved. Very true. Could just be. I would say that's in. probably the least likely for somebody who just just broke through in the way that he did, but possible. Hey, you, you would possible. you would have said that about Kittle. Also very true. Top of the sport, yeah. I guess. But 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 the Kittle and the Kittle announcement sort of. I I would say that came with a little bit more. It was explanation. That, that, it was a little bit more delicate than this. Like this seems very very abrupt and not yeah. really of the tone that you would expect for someone who is having uh, some challenging issues right now. Oh, but, I don't I don't disagree with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on this and let you know. Uh, I've got one more note here on our nerd alert which is discussing uh people no longer shipping things to the uk yes so the other bit of chaos is not team related it's more product related because uh as pretty much probably i would hope everyone who is listening to this podcast is aware brexit uh has really happened so i mean granted i mean the uk officially left the eu last year but i mean there was an agreement to operate under existing rules for another year and that year has now come and gone that deadline is now passed 
And it's a mess if you're in the UK and trying to get bike parts because, for example, Canyon announced a couple of weeks ago that they were temporarily pausing shipments to the UK. Uh, basically, I mean, they're supposedly resuming, I think January 11th is what they said, and as they sort of figure out what the implications of all this are in terms of, you know, taxes and regulations and that sort of thing. Um, but even before that, uh, actually, right around the same time anyway, Rose Bikes, uh, their German bicycle company, they canceled all of their UK orders and they stopped shipping anything to the UK completely. Rose was another popular direct-to-consumer brand. And this is a bit of an issue because they are also not willing to even ship spares to the UK. They basically just pulled out of the UK market completely. So anyone who even has a Rose bike in the UK, say if you need like a, you know, a spare derailleur hanger or just some other small part for you know, that's specific to a Rose, you are now out of luck. You basically need to find someone to ship something direct for you from the EU. Um, and then there is another uh, component company, component retailer, uh, out of out of uh, it's a Dutch retailer. It's called Dutch Bike Bits, and they have announced that with the advent of uh, advent of Brexit, uh, with with these new changing rules that have just gone into effect, they have also pulled out of the UK market completely. So things are getting a little bit ugly. And if you are a UK cyclist and you're being affected by this, sorry, this is not looking good. I mean, just just sort of objectively from the outside, uh, with no skin in the game, Brexit seems incredibly stupid. <laughs> to me. <laughs> Careful! What did I just say about I politics mean, like, on the podcast? I mean, yeah, but like this this isn't even politics because I'm not British. Like I have no I have no political <laughs> affiliation whatsoever. Within the UK, I'm just looking at it from the outside, from an economic perspective, and it just seems dumb as shit. What are they doing? I don't understand. Ideology. I don't get it. Ideology. Yeah. Shadi, you're a big Brexit fan. Explain it to me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but if anybody's wondering what way I voted, let's just say I live in France, and I would love everybody in the UK to have had the chances I've had to be able to come to Europe and travel race without any sort of worry for long periods of time like i do feel for that for, for instance joe laverick who writes for the website he's just joined um axel Merckx's team for this year and basing himself hopefully out of girona whenever he's allowed over there and you think how's he going to get about because it's a three month you're allowed a three month visa to stay in europe now if you're british where when I came over to Europe uh, many years ago, I, I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have to worry about that at all. I could come over freely, move around Europe, no problem for any length of time. So, yeah, for the people who want to uh, not just come to Europe and try to run that bike racing and stay here for long periods of time, racing the summer, training the winter, or, yeah, just people who want to come and study over here, I really do feel for them. That's just the tip of the iceberg. But back to the problems that Brexit seems to be throwing up with within the industry in the UK. Um, my dad owns a bike shop up in the northwest of the UK and the, it's not hit him hard yet. It it seems to be the COVID situation that's hit him and many bike shops in uh, not just England, but Europe with getting parts. And I can't see that improving with Brexit at the moment, even though a lot of the equipment does come from 
um, not just Asia, but sort of Bangladesh, Sri Lanka as well. So, yeah, the problem I think is, the, the big problem I can see, foresee, is the ports being um, a lot slower with getting equipment through. There's going to be a lot of, lot of backlogs of items sat on the docks or being returned to other docks because the docks are, are full with other bits and pieces waiting to be processed. So yeah, I think Yeah, I mean again, sort of watching from afar, it looks to me like a lot of the trade things are are the, sort of the priority for getting sorted out. So maybe maybe that'll end up being okay. Uh just because that's the, those are the things that the government is most focused on. But I I really yeah, I really feel for for people like Joe or like young young shoddy Dave because that that ease of movement is something that I've always been super jealous of because you know U.S. We're 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 a Schengen uh, visa country, so like we can go over to Europe without a visa, but we need we can only stay for three months. So it's basically the similar situation to what the U.K. is now, uh, and that's always been well, it, it, it's an issue for anybody who wants to go over for four months or five months, an entire racing season, for example. You have to figure out a visa situation. You've done the European visa thing; it's it's a huge pain in the butt, and it's just it, it's another. It's another sort of uh, barrier for people to go and chase that dream, right? And we've spent a lot of time talking on this podcast over the last year about sort of uh, improving the diversity of cycling and and inclusivity and and you know removing those barriers to people chasing the dreams, uh, because right now if you're an American, that dream is really expensive and it's not made any cheaper by the fact that you need to figure out the visa process and figure out the visa system and pay for visas and all these other things. And now we're going to run into a similar situation in the UK where suddenly the barriers to that European racing dream have just gone up considerably. Uh, and that's that's really that's really unfortunate and sad for me. I mean, politics aside, like I said, it, a lot of a lot of things about Brexit just don't they're just they're just bad. They just they're, they're, they're bad for the type of people that we want to see excel in cycling. Uh, and so I think, like I said, objectively, no politics, no political affiliation here anywhere in the UK. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's really unfortunate. The same goes for like smaller trips for British uh, Conti or pro Conti teams wanting to come over to Europe now and come come over for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month and try to hand out the Kermes races or do smaller pro tour, smaller professional races. It's made that much harder. There's the paperwork involved now where... Before, you could have guys popping down to Dover, jumping on the ferry, heading to Belgium for for a couple of races, and going back the same weekend practically. So yeah, I can't see. I can see British teams not racing outside of uh, Britain as much as they used to, and you do wonder if that's going to have a knock-on effect with sponsorship. Well, and I wonder how this is going to affect sort of, you know, the big British cycling boom that we've seen over the last few years. I mean, British cycling has absolutely exploded in the last few years. And again, like, you know, especially at least on the racing front where a lot of the races are in Europe, you have to wonder if this will put a damper on all that now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it it's definitely, it affects the ability for, I think that it won't affect the British wanting to race in Europe as much as it does the Americans, the Australians, the Kiwis, the Canadians who they can't fly back home for a week if they want to because the flight is 
too long. The time change is too difficult to deal with if you're also trying to train at the same time. It takes up way too much time to fly back home, especially for the Australians. They have to make a home base in Europe if they want to race here. They don't have the option of going home for a month mid-season because that would mean... I mean, that would just mean a lot more hassle than they're able to give as riders. And I think for the Brits, they can at least still, it's it's at least still a two-hour flight for them or three-hour flight, depending where they are, you know? Like, at least it's not overseas, but it is, I mean, I have a couple friends that are British that race on world tour teams and are now like, okay, I I have to get a visa. I, I have to figure out all of this stuff that I didn't have to do before. And one of them has been living in Girona for since 2015. And all of a sudden she's like, I can't live here anymore. So, I mean, it is, yeah, it's weird. It's bad. Hmm. I believe the position of the cycling tips podcast is that Brexit is bad. And if you have a problem with that email, do not give my address. (laughs) 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 <laughs> or my twitter handle nothing like that please <laughs> you can email me i probably won't respond uh <laughs> no I, again you know we're viewing this for most of us from the outside with the exception of shoddy who's living it um oh and ronan our new tech writer who's and ronan Rome, and yeah I, I mean i mean with, like within within the folks on this podcast you know Entirely possible we're missing something, but uh, viewed from the outside, having looked into this quite a bit, uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the young aspiring bike racer. Uh, more within, we're not within our sphere. Obviously, it's unfortunate in lots of other ways too. But within our sphere, the, what we tend to talk about, professional cycling and, and cycling in general, and, and development, things like that. It is. It's. It's not going to be a good thing for for the Joe Lavericks of the world or the next generation that comes behind him. Right. Or if you're just looking for bikes or parts. Yeah. Or if you need bike parts, <laughs> that is also unfortunate. We should really jump. We should really jump back to the industry stuff, the tech stuff, because this is nerd alert after all. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, as James said, there's a, there's a bunch of. You know, bike companies that are, are not shipping to you to the UK, at least in the short term. Uh, I imagine that a lot of those issues will hopefully get sorted, although some of them are, it's just sort of a, we're just ending this entirely, right? Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what other issues sort of raise their heads over the next couple months, because I think that's one of the big, the big things right now is there's just a lot of question marks around shipping to the UK and getting and getting product into the UK and, and no one's really sure how it's going to work and how fast it's going to be and how effective it's going to be and and so that's the that's what that's a big part of the reason why businesses are just avoiding it because businesses don't like uncertainty right they want to be they want to know that their stuff is going to get where it's supposed to go where when it's supposed to be there and that's one of the issues that they're running into at the moment on, on the upside of brexit stuff for everybody else around the world if you're looking for something that's made in the UK, it could become pretty cheap for you due to the exchange rate. So, for for, for <laughs> ind- brands selling out of the UK, yeah, it could be it could be a bit of a boom. There could be a bit more of an increase. But on the flip side, getting the raw material and getting tubing from I don't know Columbus, Reynolds, whatever, could be um or yeah whatever material that they're using could be uh, offset that um 
Right, because clearly for all those people who are looking for a 100% made in the UK bicycle with made in UK bicycle parts, now is your prime opportunity, except that bike doesn't exist. Well, I'm not, look, you've got Br Brompton. Brompton, for instance, Brompton are going to be, uh, they might they might be, a, they are made in the UK, but they're also within the UK going to be hit hard because um, there's a new tariffs, well, well, tariffs have been dropped from um, the Far East, Sri Lanka, other places like that which now allow large quantities of bikes that wouldn't have been sold before in the UK to be allowed to be sold in the UK. Um, yeah, the, the boss of Brompton let this be known way back, way, way back, uh, probably about a year ago, saying that he was worried about the business, uh, the business of, yeah, basically cheap imitations being allowed into the UK now. Sticking with the industry stuff is that... Um, there ha previously there's websites like Wiggle, Pro Bike Kit, um, Merlin, Planet X, places like that built their their brand, built their sales off grey import goods. So basically that means coming to your filling a van up with stuff and driving back to about buying it in Belgium, Holland, wherever, and driving back to the UK and selling it. Grey import stuff is generally um items that maybe have, have been allocated for bike builds by brands and then not used and uh, are sold on that way so if, if you've ever purchased from one of these sites and received a i don't know a chain set not in a box and it's come in a bag that'll be why because it wasn't allocated for retail so you do wonder if these these big bike shops um or little, little bike shops wanting to do that sort of thing, and become a big online bike shop, aren't going to be able to do that anymore. With regards to uh, not not they're not allowed to do that anymore, but being able to step up to the game, whether it's just going to be a case of the big boys being the big boys now, and there's nobody else going to enter the game. Hmm. It's upsetting to I think. Don't, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not looking at you for the answer. I, I think we should be a bit more positive about the UK. Like, what we've got to remember is the UK is still awesome. It was a, it wasn't a huge percentage of people that voted for Brexit. And if we take Brexit away from everything else, I still look at the UK and admire it for its creativity, its the arts that it puts out there. It just needed to look at the the fireworks in London over new year and it was just it was world beating the creative is there so yeah let's not rag on the uk too much i do miss it i live in france and there's so much good about it um i i just wish everybody there the best uh let's let's wrap it up we're gonna call it a day i thought this was going throw to be a short episode we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna throw in abby's segue right here and that's the end I was going to make a really great segue into this is the end. Do it. Much like the rest of the season and whether or not uh, we're going to have bike racing in the next month and a half as is scheduled. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Was that a good segment? A segue? Sure. A segue? <laughs> Was that a segue to the end? You said I had to work on my segues. Yeah. <laughs> I in my head it's nice in my head it was like a it was like a really good segue. 
Taylor it was Swift like a six. It was like a six out of ten. Oh gosh. Four out of ten. Five out of ten. No. <laughs> I think I think four out of ten is a pretty apt. Mm-hmm.